0: Man, this is a great idea. We're going to do this, and we're going to try this, and we're going to see how it works. And part of my idea was that I'm going to preach through the Gospel of John leading up to Easter, uh, to Resurrection Sunday. And I got to tell you, the, the closer we get, I keep telling everybody that, hey, I'm excited about this message. It's my most favorite message. And they keep telling me, see, the, the whole point of favorite is you should only have one. It's like, what's your favorite ice cream? Okay, see, see, One favorite. I have like three favorites of ice cream. So you can't, I don't understand the concept of favorite, but each message, the closer we get to Resurrection Sunday, I'm like, this is my favorite one. And my wife's like, no, last week you said it was your favorite one. I said, yeah, but I hadn't written this one yet. So it's my favorite. So a while back, we're, we're talking about this, this concept. And we're in John chapter 12, for those of you who are joining us. And, and also, I just have to apologize. There's so much depth and there's so much that we can do in the book of John and I'm really just kind of skipping a rock across some of these things. And so I'm hoping that I'm, my prayers that I grab your attention and that you're going to go back and you're going to read uh, chapter John or read all of John. I, I timed it. The longest chapter only takes like five minutes and 43 seconds to read through. And so that's not a lot of time out of your day. And so is he worthy for you to read five minutes and 43 seconds? He is. He is. <laughs> okay. And, and so it just all kind of comes together. And, and today I titled this message Dinner with Friends. Because we're in John chapter 12, and Jesus is at Lazarus' house, and they're eating dinner. And, and I want you to keep this song that we just sang. Keep that in mind as we read through John chapter 12. We're going to go just verses 1 through 11, and, and I'm going to set this up, and then and I'm going to preach on this. And so y'all get ready. Uh, John chapter 12. i got to get to the right page. That's chapter 7. Uh, there we go. Hang on. Almost there. All right, John chapter twelve. Wait, there, it, there. It, okay, John chapter twelve. It's also up here. I guess I could have just read that, but uh, John chapter twelve, start with verse one. Now this is this is after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, and and as you read through John chapter eleven, the Bible says that um, when when he that turned my mic on. Okay, I, I couldn't hear me in the mic. Mon- all right, that's all right. I'm okay. Um, in John chapter 11, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says that Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jewish people. He just didn't walk in and out of wherever he was going. He was more behind the scenes after that. And so we find him. We pick up right here, and John writes this. And remember, John is Jesus' best friend. And, and as we know, as, as a best friend, does everybody have a best friend? Do you have a best friend? Okay, you view your best friend differently than I'm going to view your best friend and you view the way people treat your best friend differently than I view the way people treat your best friend. And so this is John, eyewitness to what's happening. And this is what he says. Six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. Now remember, in chapter 11, when he said, hey, we're going to Bethany, the disciples said, hey, they want to kill you there. You don't want to go to Bethany. But he goes back. And he goes back to Lazarus to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So... They gave a dinner for him there. That's Lazarus' family, gave a dinner for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Ooh, John, salty. (laughs) And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Again, John sees things. I'm sure Jesus knew these things, but he's saying, Hey, This Judas guy, he's shifty. But Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews, the people that he was avoiding, (laughs) learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And verse 10 says, So the chief priests... Made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Now, you would think the chief priests would be happy about people believing, but they were not and there's some key players in this story that I just read to you from john 's point of view that Jesus is is one of the key players martha Mary, Judas Iscariot the Jews, the, the chief priests, almost forgot Lazarus. He's a key player, too. I'm going to share something with you that uh, the next few minutes of what I share is, is I would love to say was my original thought, but sometimes I don't have original thoughts. <laughs> I have to borrow someone else's. And this comes from a guy named Alan Bean. He, he writes a blog about churchy things and about different stories in the Bible. And I was like, man, I'm using this. So... I would like to thank Alan Bean uh, for his thoughts on Lazarus. And this is how it goes. Jesus is at this dinner, okay? And Lazarus is there. It's at Lazarus' house. Just a day or two before, Lazarus was dead, right? I mean, it could have been like four days. I don't don't know the the exact time, but not too long before this, Lazarus is dead. Like graveyard dead, bound up, grave closed, wrapped up in the wrappings of death. He was dead, breathing no more. He had been dead long enough that even his sister Martha objected when Jesus said to roll away the stone from the mouth of the tomb. She was like, Lord, no, by this time he's going to stink. He's been dead for four days. Lazarus was dead, but now he's sitting, sorry, he's reclining at the table. No doubt, as the head of the house, he had given thanks for the bread. He who was dead gave thanks for the bread of life to have a meal with him. He who had been dead was there at the table with a fork and a carving knife in his hand, ready to carve the roast lamb, that's what I think he served, to honor his guest, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Bring on the food, Martha. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate life. Let's celebrate the Lord of life who gave Lazarus life out of death. Is he worthy? Yeah, he is. Lazarus said, he's here, and we're going to celebrate this. Let's celebrate life in Jesus. Lazarus, I like to think this out loud. Lazarus is maybe thinking, oh, death, where now is your staying grave? Where now is your victory? We're in the presence of life, triumphant over death at this table. Bring on the food, Martha. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate freedom. Let's, Let's celebrate the Son who sets us free. You see, Lazarus is not bound anymore. When Jesus said, loose him, the wrappings and the trappings of death were not strong enough to hold him because Jesus called him out from the dead. And Lazarus says, let's celebrate freedom. The wrappings and the trappings and forms of religion that bind up and restrain the celebration of freedom have bound us long enough. And the Lord speaks to whomever will listen. Untie them. Let them go. Bring on the food. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate freedom. Here comes Martha from the kitchen. A platter of lamb in one hand, a tray of bread in the other. But Mary is nowhere to be seen. Lazarus is like, let's celebrate. My friends are here. My Jesus is here. Where's Mary? If you remember, when Lazarus was in the tomb and Jesus got here, Martha greeted him. Where was Mary? Not there. Now now she's here. She's in the house, but she's not serving the table. What's she, what's she bringing? What's she carrying? That's not lamb. That's not bread. That's not drink. Oh, so it's a flask of ointment. Pure nard, expensive stuff, good stuff. There must be a pound of that in that flask. That cost a pretty penny. It would take a whole year's wages to buy that. I'm sure people at the table were like, wonder where she got the money to buy that with some winks and some nods. And then somebody else may say, I wonder what she's going to do with it. And we don't have to wonder long, do we? Mary comes to Jesus. She breaks it open. She pours this, this nard on his feet. And she, she wipes his feet. With her hair. Ladies. Have you ever put nard in your hair? <laughs> is it the same as lard? I don't know. It, it's very aromatic. It's very strong. Uh, matter of fact, we, as you noticed, maybe when you came in, there was a different smell to the room. We, we kind of did a few things to make our own version of what that is. And I've got short hair. It would be really odd for me to try to <laughs> wipe that on Jesus's feet, but I'm assuming that Mary had long hair and she's She's got her hair and she's wiping Jesus. She's washing his feet with this. And the smell of this perfume, this sweet fragrance of this perfume, it just fills the house, which so recently had been haunted by the odor of death. And so Mary anoints Jesus' feet and washes them with her hair and they all lived happily ever after, right? Now, I see the problem here is that Death hates life. Uh, Let me say that again. Death hates life. Bondage hates freedom. Lazarus, raised from the dead, Jesus is having dinner with his friends. Mary brings out this nard, this expensive, good stuff perfume, washes Jesus' feet with it. So what happens next in John's story about his best friend? Judas complains. Yeah. Isn't it funny how that happens? There's something really awesome going on in, in your life or in your church or in your, your small group or there's something going on and there's that one person. I don't really think that should be happening. Shh. <laughs> He's not that person. He just, we had a little connection there. But it happens. And it doesn't just happen, it happens in churches all over America. We start to celebrate something and then somebody goes, wait a minute. Do you know how much that cost? That's paint. And you're putting it on the walls for crying out loud. Yep, we need it. Haven't painted a building in 14 years. Time to paint. Not this building, but just saying it happens. And Judas complains. She brings this gift. She gives it to Jesus and he complains. It's like Frank was talking about an offering. When was the last time you brought your best thing in for Jesus? She, Judas is complaining about it. He's like, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Judas, why can't you just enjoy the moment and dinner with friends and just just stop? John says, you speak up with much concern. Not that you actually care about the poor. Judas, it seems that you only care about the money. But let's not get too hung up on Judas, because I'm going to talk about him in a minute. But he's not even the real villain in this story. He's just a pawn. He's a willing pawn. Of sinister forces of death and bondage that are lurking just outside this dinner feast with Jesus' friends, where they're celebrating life and freedom. You see, the villains in this story, outside of the obvious villain who would be Satan, the the people villains in this story are those chief priests, those people who control the religion of Israel, just as the early church is getting underway. I use that word control on purpose. It's the operative word. They, they're binding things up. They're, they're making sure the expressions of faith are under tight control because we don't want things to get out of hand. One of their first concerns about Jesus as he started preaching and teaching and healing people if we don't put a stop to this, it's going to get out of hand and everybody's going to believe him. That's what they're saying. And here they are. You know, at Nicodemus, one of those religious controllers, he comes to Jesus. John chapter 3, he says, we know you're a teacher from God. It's not possible for anyone to do these things if they weren't from God. It's funny because later they are calling him, telling him he's from the devil. But th- this time, Judas er, uh, sorry, Nicodemus says, hey, we know you're from God because nobody could do what you're doing unless they were from God. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, he said, I'll tell you what's not possible, Nicodemus. It's not possible to see the kingdom of God without being born anew. Without being born from above, you have to be born of the Spirit. And those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. You hear its sound, but you can't control it. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. You can't control the Spirit, Nicodemus. And those born of the Spirit are out from under the controls of all the human-imposed ways of doing things that y'all high priests are doing. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. There are a bunch of controllers right outside of Lazarus' door, and they hear the commotion of Mary washing Jesus' feet, of of, of, uh, Judas and voicing his opinion. And they're like, oh, things are getting out of control in there. We have to put a stop to it. It's all Lazarus' fault. How dare a dead man live? How dare you? How dare somebody who's all wrapped up in the trappings of death come out and live freely and boldly under God? And then one of them says, I have a great idea. We better kill him. That Lazarus is causing too much trouble. It's not bad enough they want to kill Jesus. Now they start plotting to kill Lazarus. Man, but Lazarus is like, it doesn't matter because he is worthy and he is at my table and we're going to celebrate this. You know, John doesn't finish the story about Lazarus. He doesn't tell us what happens next. But he knew this, that we ought to know without being told We know that the life haters and the freedom haters and the joy haters, they will stop at nothing to squelch life and freedom and joy. But we know something else, too. We know that in just a few days, they killed Jesus. He's our advocate of life and freedom and joy, but they couldn't win when they killed him. And resurrection, resurrection morning followed dark Friday, as surely as day follows night, but... That's a sermon for another day. It's coming up soon. But here's what I want you to think about from this story of Jesus being in Lazarus' house and all these things. Our Jesus is the bringer of good things. He brings good things to the table. And not just dinner with his friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha and whoever else happened to be. Not just in that house. Jesus is the bringer of good things. He brings good things to our table. Look, the first miracle that he did was the gift of good wine at the wedding in Cana at the request of his mother. He gave the very best for a celebration, a wedding celebration. He brings good news to Nicodemus. He offers Nicodemus freedom, but Nicodemus wasn't quite ready for the gift. Well, when you The spoiler alert is, is at the end, once they crucify Jesus, Nicodemus realizes that He was ready for the gift, but not at this point. Uh, The woman at the well, the centurion and his daughter who came and he begged Jesus, just heal her with a word, and Jesus did. The 5,000 people that he fed with some fish and bread from a boy's lunch. The lame man that he made well at the pool. The blind man that he gave sight to. Countless others that he set free from their afflictions. Our Jesus brings us good things. And he brings us good things because God the Father is the giver of the best gifts. He gave us the gift of his son. Think about this, about Jesus. Born alone in a manger. I know his mom and his dad were there. But he was was born in a stable. So that we would not be alone. Alone. He was raised by Mary and Joseph with his brothers, with his family. He grew up in Nazareth. Someone in the Bible says, can any good come from Nazareth? Oh, come and see. Come and see just how much God's good can come from Nazareth. Jesus brought good things to the disciples, to those that would listen. He called the disciples. He said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I will change who you are, and you're going to do amazing things for me. He taught them the truth of God's word. And now here he is sitting at Lazarus' house having dinner. And Mary realizes what no one else in the room realizes. She sees it and she knows that Jesus brings something good to the table. She knows what's happening. Something in her says, I have to do this. And so she brings her gift. And she pours out her gift. It's an expensive gift. And she pours it out on the giver of the best gifts. And she washes his feet with it. And she washes his feet with her hair. And Judas stands up and says, seriously? She's wasting that expensive perfume? See, Judas missed the good. Jesus, the giver of good things, who brought life into this house. And Mary comes before him with her gift. And she just says, thank you. Thank you. When was the last time that you brought your gift and just said, thank you? Sometimes we bring our gift and we're like, oh, here comes a plate. Let me, let me throw it down. And we don't think about it. Sometimes it's a last minute thought. Mary put thought into this. And she says, thank you. And I think also in some way this act of Mary washing Jesus' feet with her hair may have been her way of repenting saying, I'm sorry I doubted you. See, if you remember when Jesus showed up and Lazarus had been passed away, Mary and Martha both said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus told Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. I've got a plan, and we're going to celebrate. And in some way, I think this is Mary's way of just repenting. I'm sorry I doubted you. Folks, Jesus brings the best things to the table. We remember that each Sunday here at Huntsville Christian Church when we have communion. But how about every day in your life? Are you going to focus on the good that Jesus brings to your table? Or are you going to allow the world, the people outside, to distract you? How are you going to receive what Jesus is bringing into your life? Will you receive it with gratitude or will you redirect what Jesus brings with Judas's anger? I know you're thinking Judas doesn't deny Jesus at Lazarus's house. No, not directly. But John shows us a glimpse of Judas's heart here because he writes that Judas didn't care about the poor, only the value of the ointment that was poured out on our Lord. You see, John tells us that Judas said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had charge of the money bag and he used to help himself to whatever was put into it understanding this about Judas brings a whole new light to the time where Jesus talks about money and a love for it. I wonder what Judas was thinking when Jesus shared with the disciples that you can't serve two masters. You will love one and despise the other. Jesus told his disciples, you cannot serve both God and money. And Mary is washing God's feet with her hair and this nard, loving him, worshiping him. And Judas stands up in the middle of worship and he says, hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't waste my, you shouldn't waste that on my, I messed this all up. You shouldn't waste that on my God's feet. And he said, actually, you shouldn't waste my God, which is the value of that nard, on that man's feet. That's really what Judas was saying. And what about you? What do you have to say about this dinner with friends? Mary anoints Jesus' feet. She uses the expensive stuff, valued at 300 denarii, a year's wages. (laughs) Here's a question for you. When was the last time you poured out something that generous into your Lord and Savior? You remember her family just recently had a lesson in who Jesus is. When he told Martha, I am the resurrection of the life. She knew what she was doing. Mary knew what she was doing. She knew who she was doing it to. And she didn't hold anything back. Because to, to her, he was indeed worth it. Or you could say like the song before the message, he is worthy. He is worthy. And he is worth it. He is, he is, he is. Brothers and sisters, we know that the sweet perfume of life that Jesus offers us is stronger than the stench of death that the world wants to bring at us. We know that good news and freedom burst all the wrappings and trappings of death. Good news, the good news trumps all those wrappings, all those trappings, all those things that the world tries to bind us up with. The good news of Jesus just trounces over all the joy that's trying to kill His church. Listen, we know the ending. Maybe I should say we know the beginning. Because our God sent the best gift, which is His Son, to die for our sins. Death couldn't hold Him. And he rose from the grave. He beat sin. Him rising from the grave, that's our beginning. Our ending is eternity in heaven. And like Lazarus and Martha and Mary, folks, we have to celebrate. I don't care what you're going through in life. I don't care if you're sad. I don't care if you're broke. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with something. I don't care if you're hurt. I don't care if someone passed away that you love. We need to celebrate. Because our Jesus is worthy of our celebration. And he is still standing there when all the dust settles. Come on, Martha, bring another platter of lamb. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate freedom. Come on, Mary, sweat, spread that sweet perfume of life all over this room. Let's celebrate life. I don't know what that looks like for you this morning, but if you've been in darkness and Satan's been keeping you separate from our Lord and Savior, it's time to bring your jar, Mary, and break it open and give Jesus your best gift. It's time to come and respond to God's word. Maybe your best gift is you starting new in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like Mary. Maybe you just need to say to Jesus, I'm sorry, I love you, I will worship you. I will celebrate you in the way that I live my life because you are worthy. Maybe you just need to pray about something. About what it looks like to live your life for the giver of good gifts. The elders are here and they'd love to pray with you. Whatever your response is to God's word today and the story about his dinner with friends. Will you stand and sing our response song and respond to the giver of good gifts accordingly?